0: Stories create very deep connections. You know, when we tell a story, it actually affects the brain. Stories are, are part of that, you, you know, they create these, the neuro, it's neuroscience really, because it releases chemicals, that oxytocin, that empathy, mm-hmm. that is really that love hormone, that love chemical. And that is actually what is released in our brains when we hear a good story.
1: Welcome to the With Sayada podcast, brought to you by the Centre for Belonging and Understanding. The podcast that brings to you stories of lived experience that you might not otherwise encounter. This is a podcast that encourages you to cultivate belonging and understand others. I'm your host, author and coach Sayada Zaidi, and every episode, I'll be asking a new guest to share their story. Natalie Alcantara is founder and chief inspirer at ION Marketing. She has over two decades of experience providing strategic counsel to major global brands and has worked as part of the senior leadership team at several top businesses around the world. Natalie is a hands on leader and continues to expand and explore learning and mentoring opportunities. Her brand signature approach braids vision, purpose, storytelling, and deep consumer insights. The result is recognizable value, the kind that magnetizes customers' connections and builds big brand love. So today I am super blessed to be joined with my friend, Natalie Alcantara, and she lives in the most beautiful well, one of the most beautiful places in the world, which is Curacao in the Caribbean. And I tell you why I'm mentioning that right at the get go, because we are friends on um, social media and Natalie, you're always sharing pictures of the adventures that you're up to and your little walks and things like this. And maybe for you, it feels like nothing. But you you know, for me at the moment, especially given the pandemic and everything else and the inability to really travel, I just want to tell you that your pictures give me life and make me feel such a sense of peace and gratitude because I know that someone is able to go out there and enjoy the beach and the sun and go swimming in the sea and all of the other stuff. And I'm kind of like living my life through that. So when you do it for you, you do it for me as well.
0: just thank you. And it is an honor to be sharing this time with you. And you know, I'll give you a quick little story about why I put up so many pictures. So I'm originally from Trinidad and Tobago. So, you know, side note, I am on the island of Curaçao, really as a digital nomad. And I got literally to this place because of the pandemic. And so I have decided to make it a beautiful adventure. And, you know, one of the things I realized quite some years ago is that when I look on social media, what interests me, and I remember seeing pictures of a friend who had a trip to um, Africa and she'd gone on safari and I looked at her pictures and I literally imagined myself doing something like that. Mm -hmm. And only to manifest that two years later, I had gone on my own safari and I literally did all of the things that I watched and looked at so admirably in her own photos. And so from that day forward, that's like years ago, I decided that I'm going to share pictures of beautiful spaces I'm in so that I too can inspire people. To want to create those spaces in their own lives. So that's where I share all those photos. Wow. Well,
1: you're doing that for me. Although I have to say, one challenge that I face, because I've been to Puerto Rico, right, which is kind of nearish or, may, you know, some people would describe it as Caribbean. And I really struggle with the humidity. So it's hot. Yeah, if <laughs> yes. you can give me tips on how to handle that bit, like, and pandemic permitting, I'm there tomorrow. Right.
0: It is very hot in Curacao, but it's also very breezy. They're the wonderful Caribbean trade winds. And so even though you're Mm -hmm. hot, you get a, a nice breeze, a fresh Caribbean breeze. It just is refreshing and it makes it a very special place.
1: Mm, I bet, I bet. And, uh, and you're kind of taking me in my head, actually, to Eswira, which is just on the coast of Morocco. Yes. And we lived there for about, gosh, maybe a, a year and a bit. And it was, for me, if I could pick a place in the world to retire to, that would be in my top three. Oh, it was beautiful. so hot. And the breeze off the sea was just wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And the food and all of these other things, you know, <laughs> all like, of that was special. Yeah, absolutely. And when I see your pictures, it takes me to that memory in my head even though I know it's a different place, but for me that's the kind of connection that I sense. So so keep doing that. We need to see more pictures like that, right? <laughs>
0: Don't worry, every adventure that I'm on, every weekend, I'm sharing the pictures. (laughs) Wonderful. So coming to your
1: LinkedIn, because occasionally what I will do is when I'm speaking to somebody, I kind of will do a very quick search online to see, you know, what's out there about that person. And uh, what I love about your LinkedIn is it says the art and soul of brand story. Now I like it because there's so much depth to it, but also it intrigues me. So I want to know more. What do you What do you mean by that?
0: Oh, I love that. And so you know, Saida, when I think of brands, I mean my background is in sales and marketing, and my my latter part of my career, because I mean I've been uh, in in the field of sales and marketing basically for about 25 years. But the latter part of my career has focused on brand and building brands, helping brands to transform, helping brands and businesses to connect with the audiences that they serve. And how do we best do that? And for me, it's about what story does your brand really want to share? What is your story? And how could you tell people about what you do, why you do it, Why are you even around? Mm. Where does that sit inside of your heart? Where does that sit inside of your purpose? And being able to tell a story in itself is an art. And that story sits deep inside of the person who is a storyteller. And so it sits inside of their soul. And so when I look at the art and soul of storytelling, I am actually looking at, How can you share your brand story that is uniquely yours, that sits in your heart, that has created a purpose and a business for you to serve others? And that ultimately creates a connection that I think is a really beautiful connection that many companies and businesses don't get if you are just one dimensional selling, this is the product I have, this is your service I have. Mm. Really about making a deeper connection, bringing a resonance and an affinity through the art of story. Mm, that's
1: amazing. And a quick side note and a very cheeky request, like I would love you to come back on the podcast and maybe what we can do is kind of like work out how to create the story for the center of belonging and understanding. Because as you were speaking, I was thinking, man, like there's just so much to unpick there. and I would,
0: It would be such a gift for me if you would help me to do that. I would be honored, absolutely honored. And, you know, Saida, stories create very deep connections. You know, when we tell a story, it actually affects the brain. Stories are are part of that. You you know, they create this, it's neuroscience really, because it releases chemicals, that oxytocin, that empathy, Mm -hmm. that is really that love hormone, that love chemical. And that is actually what, is released in our brains when we hear a good story. <laughs> and you
1: know what's really powerful about, the, about what you've just shared is that this is, this is the essence of why I started this podcast. You know, five years in my head I've been thinking I'm going to do a podcast and you think, oh, do I do it on productivity, book reviews, all of this other stuff. And I just realised one day, like, I have so many amazing people in my network and why not share their stories because they don't know each other. You know, and even if anything, it's just to introduce people to each other within my network. It's wonderful. And then for other people to be able to listen in and to listen to the real, like the story and the essence of the person, I think, is where a lot of the the work gets done in terms of tackling the issues that we face about diversity, equity and inclusion.
0: Yes, because it's the story of our lives. It's the story of it's our experiences, rich in learning and rich in information, rich in lessons. And you know, if we think about how our ancestors really were educated, it was through story. The elders in the community shared stories and those stories were passed on and culture has evolved through storytelling. Mm. And it has been maintained and shaped, albeit good and bad. I'm not saying the stories that are passed on are always good. And the culture is always creating great contours, but the truth is, storytelling has been there forever, and it is a way of creating a culture. It is a way of bringing people together. Mm.
1: And and I think the thing is, is that storytelling actually has power. Like I, I'm, I'm unpacking this as I'm speaking to you. So when you tell a story you're sharing a particular perspective. And when you share your own story, you're giving voice to that and also giving other people permission to share theirs. But also, and I think here's the real kicker, is one isn't allowing anyone else to write their version of your story and make that the truth.
0: Yes, correct. And the thing with storytelling, if you're thinking of, you know, how do you share in this space of belonging and understanding, so storytelling is uniquely your own story. So if someone can't jump in really and change your story because you've lived it already. But it is, in fact, creating that because when you hear a story, it's like you know nobody's saying, "Saida, breathe your next breath." Mm-hmm. You are automatically breathing, and so when we think of what happens in our bodies when we hear a story, those chemicals are naturally being released you are naturally and unconsciously becoming more empathetic. And so between the empathy and the curiosity, remember curiosity and judgment can't sit in the same space. And in just having that story to be the channel through which we understand each other and we can belong in the same space, it's absolutely a beautiful tool.
1: Wow, you know, like you're you're crushing my brain in a really good way. <laughs> Because my my ambition with the Center for Belonging and Understanding is to have three key elements. And I haven't seen this done in other places. And I'm like, you know, just because I haven't seen it done doesn't mean it's not going to work. So I'm going to give it a go. And one is to have a research arm. One is to kind of have training for individuals and corporate. And then the third is to create a depository of stories where people can come in and share whatever it is that they want to share. And the learning comes from all three of them so that there is an evidence base. There's also kind of like an application of the work that comes out. But also it's kind of like anyone is welcome to share, you know, because the thing that I don't like in this in in the space of um, I don't know, how am I going to say it? What I don't like in the space of corporate storytelling and the presentation in social media of some stories is how it's very focused and narrowed on one particular type or demographic. And so one thinks that we're really listening to anyone's voice, sorry, everyone's voices. And, and actually some of it is to do with algorithm. Yes. But we do need to listen to the stories of a wide range of people. So the stories of Um, marginalized groups and then also people on the margins of the margins right I also want to hear the stories of people who are so privileged that I would never get to meet them otherwise right like imagine what that full range of stuff will do for you and how you approach
0: life and also how you are exposed to what life is or could be or what you don't desire it to be so you know Through stories, we can travel, we can learn. I think what happens with many corporates is that they create a template that's the standard one-dimensional template that says, tell your story like this and, you know, make sure that, you know, you're doing some very, there's some guardrails. But these guardrails actually block out the authenticity. Mm. They block out the soul of the story. And, you know, it's the brands that actually and the businesses that actually Want to get into that soul? They want to be vulnerable. They want to say, you know what? This is what I stand for, and this mm. is why I did this. But it means stepping into that space of vulnerability and stepping into your own courageous self. Mm. And it's, it's courage.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because it actually is really hard to do. So I remember when I wrote my about me at as I revamped my website, and like I thought, you know. Do I do what everyone else is doing or do I just do it my own way? <laughs> and <laughs> I'm going to read it to you because it says, hello, I'm Sayada. Um, when I was seven years old, I made three decisions. One, learning will always be part of my life. Two, relationships are important and need time. And three, I'm determined to live life on my own terms in service to others. But you, And I'm sharing this with you because it sounds so easy to say out loud right now but do you know the resistance and the fear and the how are people going to receive this that I felt before I, I mean, as I was writing it and then before I pressed the publish page.
0: Yes. And that actually Saida, is that, that's the, I mean, literally people sometimes revise their about me. I've done mine at least 15 times, Mm. but each time you get a step closer to feeling more comfortable. So it's a journey on, you know, you're sharing a story, you know, to the outside world, but you're also honoring your own story in your inside world. Oh and so inside of us, there are stories that hurt us. There's stories that have broken us. There are stories that have built us. When we embrace those stories and we love those stories for the lessons that they've brought us in life, For the places that they have taken us, even when they were bad, but we're here now in a different space doing something amazing. When we embrace that and we love it, we can then feel free to liberate our story to the world. Natalie, you're making me cry. (laughs) That's so
1: good. (laughs) (laughs) I want to ask you how
0: did you get into this work? Wow. So, you know, I have reinvented my life, Saida, many times over. I'm a girl from a small island who at a young age, I mean, literally, I wanted to be a teacher. When I was about six or seven, my parents said, teachers don't make a lot of money. (laughs) Well, I tell my daughter. (laughs) Teachers don't make a lot of money. And then, you know, I got kind of cheeky and I said, OK, well, I want to be a ballerina, but clearly I'm left handed. So I had no right left coordination pirouetting. That was terrible. I still am. So that was a complete abject failure, but it was just a cheeky response. OK, well, if I can't be a teacher, here's what I'll be. And I pursued my academics and I went into business and so on. But at the end of the day, in my heart was always that desire to teach. And even as I've gone through my business career, I've gone through sales, marketing, corporates, multinationals, I left the corporate world and I love the term corporate refugee because I am a corporate refugee and I love it. Mm -hmm. I get to stand on the outside and teach all of the lessons and all of the learnings that I'm attracted to and that I've experienced. And so when I say I do branding differently, I'm not doing it the traditional way. I'm creating a different lens, which comes from my own life experience, my life resume. And I strongly believe in purpose and transformation. I've gone through, I mean, literally, why am I in Curacao? You know, the truth is, Saida, I'm stranded here. Mm -hmm. Not anymore, because the Trinidad borders are now open. But last year I went on a vacation, a great beautiful vacation. I went to Bali. I went to Dubai. It was awesome. And then COVID began to shut down the world. And I, my, you know, I got a call from Emirates and it basically said, you know, your your flights are canceled. You have to find your way back. I got back to my dad's house in Florida. I was there for a week sort of catching myself from the trauma. And on March 22nd, 2020, the borders for Trinidad and Tobago were closed and they just only opened around the 17th or the 19th of July this year, 2021. And I couldn't stay in the US because I have a tourist visa. When mm. that was over, I had to move. And you know, I had a choice. I came to Curaçao. I don't speak the language, I don't speak Dutch, I don't but I had a choice. Am I going to look at life with luck and as a victim, or am I going to look at life with love? love for where I am, what I can do, and what possibilities could I, I can birth. And that's exactly what I did. I transformed my business from an in, successful in-person business to an online virtual business. I up-leveled my skill set. I mean, I met you in the exchange program. Mm. I'm now a certified the, um, guide with exchange I have met some amazing people and my community and my world has expanded in a beautiful way that allows me to again share some of that transformation those teachings that you know the ability within us to embrace our stories Mm. and create possibilities from them. Wow
1: I mean there's so much to unpack in there and uh A very quick side note, because you mentioned John Burgoff and and Exchange Community, I think we should just take a second to honour just how wonderful that space is, because there are a lot of incredible people in there and to network and and also learn skills is probably one of the most um, liberating things that I think has happened during the pandemic. I mean, a lot of bad stuff has happened. But I think that that has been, uh, it, w- it would go for me in one of my highlights, you know.
0: Absolutely. And Exchange has provided that community support and that ability to learn and share and grow and embrace, you know, so many different areas of my life that mm-hmm. it's, it's been amazing. I mean, we met and I've yeah, met. Yeah, absolutely. So- oh, yeah. And not only did we just meet each other, it wasn't just a cursory meeting at a workshop it it's been an ongoing engagement with Mm. different in different workshops different spaces and even just in the community Mm. on a social media platform i know
1: it's crazy isn't it like they say facebook is dying and stuff but i think that there's there's that the exchange community is testimony to maybe facebook is fully alive right (laughs) like tiktok is out there i know (laughs) but it's not for me just yet
0: And, you know, it's funny you say that because I've heard people who are part of exchange. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not a Facebook person, but they will go on for exchange for the exchange Facebook group because it's it's just what it's how you feel when you enter a space, albeit a virtual space. Mm. It's how safe you feel. And that goes back to belonging and understanding. How how much do you feel that you belong in that space that you don't like Facebook, but mm. you'll get onto the exchange close group, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. And
1: I, yeah, and I think just kind of unpacking this and also this piece that you shared about how you ended up in Curacao, it's, it's the stories that we tell ourselves, right? So, for example, you know, I, I remember saying... And everyone teaching only start on one social media platform because you focus on that one. And then once you've mastered that, you go to the others and, you know, go to Instagram right now. And I'm looking at my Instagram and thinking, okay, I've got a few hundred people there who are following me. If I do all of this effort, I'm not sure it's going to work. And then I look at my Facebook and I think there's more traction and engagement. So we can listen to other people's rules and information But I think the key thing here is thinking, what is the story you tell yourself? Because just kind of unpacking this in in relation to what you decided when you realized you just had to make a move, right, is... Mm -hmm. you could have gone into a place of, oh, you know, I don't know what to do. How am I going to survive? And you're also a mom, right? Like, so it's not like
0: you're doing this by yourself, you know? I'm actually not a mom. I I am an auntie. I am an auntie of seven amazing kids. No way. Everyone's people swear they're my kids, but they are my cherished, my sister's kids. And I treat them as if they're my own. i the lights of my life <laughs> and and testimony to that
1: that I made such a silly mistake because I'm looking at their pictures on your social media
0: feed and thinking man how does she do this like these kids get a better life than my own <laughs> you know they came out to Curacao usually you know I would when I was in Trinidad I would go to Florida they live in Florida and I would visit very very often maybe because we always have public holidays in Trinidad, nearly every month. So I would take these extended long weekends as opportunities to see the kids. But since I've come to Curacao, that has changed because it's not easy to just with COVID fly up and down. So like yourself, they keep seeing all my photos. And so they came to visit me and we had the most amazing vacation. <laughs>
1: wow. I, I hope one day you're going to say that about when I visit you. <laughs> Yes,
0: we are gonna have an amazing time, I promise you.
1: <laughs> but you know what's really interesting in this, and I am gonna lean into it and highlight my error, right? So isn't it interesting that we see stuff and the stories that we then tell ourselves about how we interpret information, you know? And so I'm looking at these pictures and thinking, Well, I didn't know Natalie had a child. Like I didn't I didn't even think to ask you, I made an assumption. Yes. and there's there's and this is the piece that I think is really valuable because we're hearing other people's stories and we make assumptions and that I think is a mistake and the best thing to do is to ask questions yes,
0: absolutely and sometimes you know when we make assumptions and we continue down the road of assumptions that's where you know you begin to that that understanding those those lines become blurred the power of the question, is amazing and if we can really begin to create conversations where that curiosity that we naturally feel doesn't stay inside of us that is expressed through questions Mm. we have much richer opportunities for conversations and also learning Mm. and I think there is something in
1: it like I realized for me and believe me it's the hardest thing for me to um Well, there's two things here. One, I can acknowledge mistakes that I make and beat myself up about them for decades, right? (laughs) And two, the hardest thing I think for people is to make a mistake and then acknowledge it and apologize outside, right? So I'm still having to learn how to do that. And there's a huge amount of discomfort for me, even in continuing this conversation about my
0: mistake. Oh (laughs) my gosh, say it, listen, I am like a mom to those kids honestly and and you know sometimes I'm I'm excited that they feel that way about me too and so there's no mistake
1: no and I know you're 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 being very forgiving and I thank you for that but the reason I'm kind of like teasing this out a little bit really is for the people listening in because there is something to say look when you mess up correct it in the moment Because if you, and because here's the thing, like it could, it could just be, oh, I'm really, really sorry, Natalie, I I made a mistake. And that's enough. Or it could be, um, and I'm not saying that this is about you, but this could be for somebody else that I've said something that has then had really difficult repercussions for them, because maybe they're not able to have children, maybe they've been trying, maybe all of this, and the hurt actually has got multiple layers on it. But if you don't listen in that moment and acknowledge what you've done, all you then do is you've opened the door to that for them. And then in some ways, there's more work to be done to come back from that piece. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely, yes. Absolutely.
1: So this has been a really good learning point for me and for everyone else as well. (laughs) So thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) And I cannot remember what got us to this point. (laughs)
0: I remember. <laughs> so I I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna move the conversation on by finally asking you one of the questions that's on my kind of like list of questions Um, you you do some really really amazing inspirational things and every time I speak to you it is a huge gift for me but I'd love to know what inspires you
0: what inspires me to be quite honest Saida I am inspired a lot by nature I'm inspired by feeling a deep connection to something greater than myself. You know, you'd see a lot of my pictures are me at the ocean, me at the sea. You know, I love being at source and with source. I love feeling that there's an ocean around me that's embracing me, that's greater than me, that's soaking up all my worries, my thoughts, my stresses, I'm inspired to know that the world is operating outside of me, my little shell of a body. This planet has a life that is nurturing and that is greater. And there's just that greatness of what else exists outside of just me deeply inspires me. Looking at the sun inspires me. Looking at a full moon, a quarter moon inspires me seeing a sky full of stars. Oh my gosh, that's like magic. I look at it with wonder. I have two apps on my phone for stargazing. <laughs> what, which ones are they? Light and sky view. And you know, I'm always excited. I had a, a house guest last weekend, a little kid who was eight years old, sweetest little kid. And I took, we were at a restaurant and I and was outdoors. I took out my phone. I was like, look, look up and see what you see. And to just see the wonder, when you create something that is a lens behind what it, you may be looking at, how beautiful that unfolds in the hearts and souls. It, it's a deep connection to something beyond us. That inspires me. Wow. And sharing, being able to share that lens with others, being able to light their lives brings me deep joy and fulfillment.
1: Do you know, you you really are a gifted storyteller, like for (laughs) real. And because when you when you expressed it like that, the thing that I was thinking is you're really in some ways, you're describing some fantastic, amazing things for inspiration. And uh, gosh, only to have access to that, and I say that living in the middle of London, so you can kind of understand why, right? Like, I'm very blessed in that I live near a park and things, so I'm not complaining. But it's it's the 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 idea of being near the ocean and just being able to put your feet in is just so romantic right now. I'm moving my foot as I'm saying this out loud <laughs> and feeling the sea on my toes, right?
0: Yes, or even just walking in nature, you know, having that color green, whatever color you mm. I mean, look. Parasite is a lot of cacti. It's not like lush green. It's dry green. But I've learned to love that dry green and those different shades of green that I never saw before in my own world, in my own home. Mm. And it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's just experiencing something different and mm. appreciating that that difference stands outside of me, but I'm a part of it as well.
1: Mm, absolutely and the other thing that really struck me was the way that you described how you use the apps right because you can see it from your eye but you're using another tool to help you understand exactly what is there and to provide you with the detail and then to be able to kind of like um organize, I mean, I, I don't know what you see, but my, my sisters are, are kind of commenting about how they seeing Jupiter and Saturn at the moment in yes. front of mine. And they're, and they're kind of saying, oh, look, so, so this one is Jupiter, this one is Saturn. And you can actually see the International Space Station as well. Yes. Like, yes. it's incredible. And we can see this in the UK. So wherever you are, I'll put a link in the show notes, you can find out when that will be available for you. And I tell you, When the when there's no clouds and you look up in the sky and you see the International Space Station go by, you realize how small you are in this bigger picture. Absolutely, and and the ability to then be able to kind of um, use a filter to help enhance your understanding, I think that's the thing that I really heard from what you shared.
0: And and you know what, Saida. So, so many times in life, the answers that we wish for, that we want are right in front of us, but we don't see them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We don't see them because our lenses are blocked, tinted, blurred. Sometimes just it's like getting a new pair of glasses. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get a new pair of glasses and you put them on, and you're like, wow, everything looks amazing. And that's how I feel. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you know, it's really interesting you say that because a few months ago, I, I got myself very focals. And so a- as you get older, you're kind of like, <laughs> sh- you know, you're sighted anyway. So before I had two pairs of glasses, and I'm going to describe this because we're doing it as a video, but we were sharing the audio as well. So yeah. I was wearing two sets of glasses. So one would be here for my reading. <laughs> And one would be here for my reading and then the other one would be here for looking further. And why I had two pairs of glasses on at the same time was I was getting irritated the amount of time it was taking me to change (laughs) the glasses. People are listening in now thinking, what is she talking about? But if you know, you know. I know. (laughs) And when I got myself this pair of varifocals, which were kind of a little bit expensive, I just kind of, I said, you know, I can see again. And I'm not having to take the time to change the lenses. And for me, that was a really profound moment because in that second, I kind of thought, you know, of course, there's one of a huge amount of privilege just in the ability of being of knowing that I can go and buy one set of glasses that does a number of different things for me. But then also knowing that if I take them off, yes. I can't see and I struggle to see and I need someone to help me, right? Yes. And then just, I don't know, there was just something for me that made me realise, you know, you have to let other people in and you have to let other people support you. And um, whether that's through the purchase of very Varifocals or whatever else it is, because when you're by yourself and no one's holding your hand to guide you, then it's quite problematic because you can't really go as far. You
0: can't go as far and you can't go as fast Mm. because it slows you down and it creates fear because you can't see far ahead of you. Mm. If you have a guide holding your hand, you're a lot more courageous. You feel a lot more comfortable and together you can go further, faster.
1: Mm, Absolutely, 100%. And that's why I'm
0: really happy that you're in my life because
1: you're one of those guides, right?
0: I'm so happy you're in my life, Dusaida. You have been an amazing influence with your own teaching, with your own beliefs, with the way you actually put them forward into the world. It has in fact changed my own lens. And for that, I am deeply appreciative.
1: Oh, Thank you, Natalie. Um, I'd love to know, what do you do to get unstuck? Because there must be, I mean, you know, you're doing so much amazing stuff, but for I have a premise or I hypothesize that most human beings at some point are going to get stuck, whether you're, you know, Jeff Bezos or, um, you know, anyone running one of these, it happens because we're human beings. So what do
0: you do to get unstuck? Well, it's interesting that you asked me that question. It's an excellent question. You know, I guess for me, it's what I think stuck is. Oh, go (laughs) on. So, and this is the absolute truth. When I think of being stuck, I think of myself resisting what could be because I'm holding on to what is. And so I'm stuck. If I let go, there is no stuck. There's just flow. But to let go, I have to allow myself to have the faith in what I call myself swimming in a river. So right now for the last year, I've said to myself, and this was one of the first workshops we did in exchange. There was one of the guest mentors who shared a story along these lines. I can't remember her name exactly, but it, it stuck with me. We're swimming in a river right now of change. It's rapids of change. We can hold on to those rocks that sit on his side and hold on for their life. Or we can swim in the rapids, knowing that the river always leads to the ocean. The river always knows how to find the ocean. And as we are flowing in the rapids, we will have other river friends. And we should look next to us and see who is with us. And have conversations with those people in that river In those rapids at that time, because we're all flowing together. If I'm holding on to that rock, I'm stuck. If I let go, I flow. Wow. And so for me, I try to, you know, when I'm experiencing any moments of feeling stuck, I try to reframe stuck as resistance to what could be. Mm and know that an ocean awaits.
1: Like, you're so good with words. (laughs) So you should be. (laughs) Oh, I don't really know how to respond to that other than just to say, I'm imagining in my head, like, the rocks, you know, that I can see coming up in some of the stuff that I want to do. And then also knowing that there is still kind of like a trickle or a stream or something flowing And just to use this terminology, thinking I need to, I I need to find other rivers.
0: Yeah.
1: Yes. That's really
0: good. Don't hold on, because holding on, that's where we're stuck. We're stuck. You know, if we think of ourselves as energy and energy flowing, energy, you know, gets stuck when we block it. Mm. Something. Don't dam your river. Mm. And no, you know cool.
1: that it's like, uh, here's where I kind of like go a bit hippie, but just to kind of really um, take your analogy a little bit further. You can only be in one river at a time, right? Yes. And so yeah. if you're a tributary and you can see lots and lots and lots of different rivers, and they're all equally important and they all lead to the ocean. Maybe sometimes you need to have a kind of like a team of people and say, well, you go on this one, you go on this one, you go on that one.
0: Yeah, we all meet in the ocean. Yeah. That's
1: great. When, our
0: journey, when our journeys get there, take us there. Mm.
1: That's really good. I, I hope the listeners are kind of like, you know, really, really paying attention and uh, thinking about what their own rocks are and how they can find other rivers and other kind of, and um, paths to the ocean.
0: You know, it was interesting for me to say that also recognizing I call them my river friends. So, who's in the river with me right now? Maybe it's not the same people who were in the river with me last year, mm. but who's swimming with me right now? We can have conversations, we can keep each other company throughout this journey to the ocean. Mm. And yeah. pausing, noticing, acknowledging, and really choosing to just flow. Mm, absolutely.
1: I think if um, Michaeli Csikszentmihalyi heard what you were speaking about on flow, he would be sitting there kind of like giving you a big clap. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you, how do you structure your day? Because I tell you, one thing that I think I would struggle with if I had the ocean next to me, and and perhaps it's just because I've not traveled for um, almost two years now. One thing I would struggle with is the kind of like the the sea is just there. Like, you know, (laughs) why don't you go for a walk on the beach? So (laughs) how
0: do you structure your day? Oh, that's a great one. So, yes, it is um, with the sea being right there. And really, Curaçao has so many beautiful beaches. I've actually had to get a little bit disciplined, but I don't ban myself also. So I'm I'm very occupied all day long with work. I start pretty early and I finish pretty late. But in the afternoons, I could take a walk and I would be walking right up to what would be like the ocean. And so that is beautiful. And so I would <laughs> There's a
1: tea. There's a tea. <laughs>
0: And, or I could take a drive, literally two minutes, and park up at the, the beach. Or on the weekends, which is where I really refuel, I really, and I've stopped working as assiduously as I used to on Saturday and Sunday. And I've now taken back those days to refuel and to restore myself and to actually, you know, get rooted back into that source energy. Mm. So I dedicate Saturday and Sunday for everything beach, everything that is like spending that time soaking away in, in, in the, in the seawater. And I focus in the week, if I have time and I want to just get a break, I would take a walk along the ocean side or I take a drive. Even the view of water mm. creates a trigger for me mm. or the, the view of green, greenery. For me, it's really just being out of an air conditioned room Mm. and having that fresh air. And sometimes if I'm working in the night, because remember, you know, we work on different projects, as you know, you have your thesis going, you have your podcast going, there's a lot of stuff happening. If I'm working late in the night, Saeeda, and I'm tired, I would open the windows and allow that breeze Mm. to just, you know, wash, just blow over my entire being and refresh me. Mm. And so I find sources to re-energize me because days are full i'm not the early early morning person i'll be honest sometimes i love that silence in the darkness of the night Mm. Mm. and so i don't i don't ban myself i don't say well this is my everyday routine i allow myself to experience what my body needs Mm. and to to create purpose for what i do
1: do you know what I really like about that is that um, you're taking each day as it comes and my own experience is, and, and, you know, I am a project manager at heart, right? Like I like organization, but I also know that when I've um, organized my diary to kind of like 7 a.m. do this, 8 a, and and, you know, it goes on like that. It, it feels really restrictive and I'm the one that set the thing up, right? But I don't like the rigidity of it because it removes my freedom. And I think what you're describing is you know what needs to get done in the week, right? And you lean into that and you do that. But you've got what I would describe, and it's kind of mentioned in the book, Results of the Art and Science, of getting it done as pit stops,
0: Yes, right. yes. So you're
1: then able to come in and refuel. And then, you know, maybe at the weekend, you're kind of taking a slightly longer break. Um, and then every now and then you need to get a full service and all of these other things, you yes. know, you, it cannot, but but actually, it's, it's that piece about knowing that you go in and you refuel on a regular basis. And that's the bit that keeps you going. Because without that, you know, you're just going to end up being able to well being unable to move forward
0: yes and so when we can pause and recognize where our energy is at whether it's at the beginning of the day the middle of the day the end of the day or the weekend mm. and really don't force a routine in place for routine's sake yeah but allow ourselves to really be nurtured and nourished by what we need at that time i think that, that For me, it helps at least. Mm. And the other thing that
1: came to me as you were speaking was really to tease out this idea of us all finding our own versions of the ocean, right? So it doesn't matter if you're living in the middle of the city or if you're in the countryside or wherever you are, you can find your own place that you know is nourishing for you and you go and you connect there on a regular basis.
0: Yes, absolutely. I mean, when I was in Trinidad at my home, that was my garden, you know, the ocean wasn't that close by. It was quite a drive, but, and quite a drive, I mean, on an island. So I shouldn't really say quite a drive, but you know what I mean. It wasn't as accessible as now. But my space of nourishment was my garden. And so that for me was a place that I loved being and I tended to my own garden. And that in itself was also giving and receiving that love and nourishment, which was beautiful. And so there are many different ways that we can, in fact, create connection and create opportunities to refuel ourselves and to find purpose and and place in the world. Mm, Gosh, that's so powerful. My my head is just kind of like
1: exploding at the idea (laughs) of tending a garden, but also realizing that you're tending the one that is your own at the same time internally. Um, there are a million different things that I want to ask you, and I'm very conscious of the time. So um, I'll ask you a few more questions and then we will wrap up. Um, something that I always like to know
0: is what is somebody's favorite book? Ah, you know, my favorite book is actually a book of poems. I love Rumi. Oh, love, love Rumi. You know, one of my favorite Rumi poems is What You Seek is Actually Seeking You. Recently, I had a friend who actually translated it in Farsi for me, which made it even more special. And, you know, as you talk about, you know, translation, interpretation, what's lost, what's there, what we miss. It was a very special moment for me when she translated it, because, you know, that's a poem that I go back to all the time. And she said, what is what you're seeking is seeking you. Also in Farsi could mean what you are seeking is inside of you already. And, you know, the layers and layers of Rumi's poems Mm. resonate deeply with me. And I go back to them. Actually, I have his book on my bedside. And sometimes I close my evenings with a Rumi poem.
1: Oh, that's so lovely. And I'll share some links in the um, show notes for uh, different kind of Rumi poems. uh, how, uh, anthologies is that the right word or collections yeah. of poems, collections um, of poems. Yeah. yeah and so that that people can get a nice rich understanding but one thing that i i find quite interesting about rumi is that um uh some of the translations that we receive are not actually that accurate so i love the the rumi saying of um between right and wrong there is a field and i'll meet you there Me yes. when you look at the re- the the kind of translation there's so many other things to it that actually some of them you would agree with. And some people may find a bit triggering. And so I share that because there is that, the the kind of conversation that we started to have before we went live about who is in control of the translation and what does that mean? And all of those other things. So, but that's another conversation to be had But hundred percent. I love Rumi. I really do. And I think the significance of having that book by your bed for me just demonstrates the importance and, uh, you know, really inspirational. So, thank you so much for for sharing that.
0: You are welcome.
1: <laughs> and what are you reading or listening or watching at the moment?
0: Well, I have a lineup. I mean, literally, you would, well, your book is in a lineup, I have to tell you. I have a lineup. So, I'm finishing Dr. Danny Friedland's book right now Living Well From Within. I have Saida's book on results. I have, and I have Atomic Habits, which do not love Saida, but you know it's my laptop stand right now as I to. <laughs> it,
1: it's a good laptop stand, and it's an awesome book.
0: I actually look as I look down. I'm like Atomic Habits, Natalie. You're getting tipped. You're getting tipped. So I have that. I have Play Bigger um, oh. and Down. So these are those are the books that I have right now as my yes. I have my copy. <laughs> yeah, so that's in my lineup um, to read over the next month or two, mm. and um, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying not rushing the read mm. for the sake of saying I have to finish this book in a certain time. I'm enjoying and savoring the learning that is coming from each book. You know, in the past, I'd be like, I have a bunch of books, I need to read them quickly. You know, now I think my my lens is different. Mm. I'm savoring the read.
1: I love that. <laughs> and I think the thing is, is that every time you read some, read a book again, I think you get a different layer of nuance. So one yes. of the books that I'm reading for my thesis at the moment is called Taking on Practical Theology by Courtney Goto. And I've done four readings of it. Right, wow. One of them, I described some of my stuff as kind of like forensic analysis. And literally I've gone through every single page, highlighted it and made notes and stuff. And so now I'm, I'm taking those notes and typing them in. And even then there's another layer of like understanding. So I don't
0: think you can ever finish with a book. No. And I cherish my books. I love having them next to me, you know, coming to Curacao from Florida. I had two suitcases, one with books. One yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you travel like me, then,
1: because I tell you, see, when we were going around the world as a family, like I had to transfer some of my books onto eBooks or Kindles, and and as we were moving out of the house, you know, I cried when I was selling my books. I mean, I'm not joking; like I, wow. I had tears. It was, it was probably one of. I mean, I, I'm going to describe it as traumatic. It sounds so silly now in the grand scheme of things, but I really felt hurt you know getting rid of my books I don't like it at all yeah no neither do I but but that says something about our relationship with with learning and the richness and all of these other things so yeah I 100% agree with you about having a suitcase of books
0: I know it was terrible like I'm paying I'm paying 40 us for a suitcase of books I mean literally I could ship them but I don't. you want to ship them I want them with me yeah it's good decision making (laughs) and what are you um watching what am I watching in terms of like TV? Yeah, TV, oh, yeah, movies, well, anything. Say so, you know, the last thing I watched, and I'm not, I would admit, I confess, I'm not a TV person. Literally, I, I have a very big television set here in this house. And I don't put it on. I look at TV on my laptop or on my, my screen. But the last thing I looked that deeply impacted me was, you know, a, it was a documentary on trauma. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who who did it, but it was the recent one was the shared. It was shared online for pockets of time. Yes, I remember, and the
1: name will come back to me in a moment because uh, he's also a famous writer and author and has done a huge amount of um, work in that arena. And it's not coming to me when I do a quick Google search. So we'll. I'll put it in the show notes. Probably in the show notes, I, I can send it to you as
0: well, but. To me, I shared it immediately when I finished looking, looking at it, up, uh, literally about two o'clock in the morning. Gable. Yes,
1: Gabor. Yeah. And I didn't even find that in the Google search. It let
0: me down. So, Yes,
1: Gabor. That's it. He would, that was him.
0: Yes. His documentary. Oh, I mean.
1: Yeah. hundred oh. percent agree with you. Yeah. Have yes, you, you read, have you read the book? The body knows, sorry, the body
0: keeps the score. I actually have it on my Audible as in my Audible library, but Mm -hmm. I haven't read it as yet. Do you know that book
1: changed the way that I approach trauma? Is that good?
0: Yeah, Yeah. because we store everything in our organs and different parts of our bodies. And that sits there until we process it. And sometimes we never do. Mm that in itself creates disease and if we are unable to move that energy in our body out and process it and liberate it to love we in fact shorten our lives
1: yeah absolutely and you know one of the best things that I did as a result of reading that book was I went and had EMDR and unpacked a few things Ah. and uh, yeah because I mean I just think I want to be an advocate for people getting therapy. I'm just going to say it quite openly, right? So mm-hmm. if you need it, please go and get it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And then finally, what
0: advice do you have for me? Ah, my advice for you, Saida, is to show up and continue to be as courageous as you have been so far. Be brave, Saida, be brave. You are entering something bigger than you can imagine, but you're going to be changing the world. You are changing the world. Be brave. Love you. Love what you bring. Love your purpose. Embrace it. Feel it. Know it deeply. Know that you have supporters where you don't even see them. Know that there are people who are rooting for you. Know that you're going to be changing culture. Know that you're shaping a new world. Know that every fiber of your being is here on this earth to create exactly what you're creating right now. Be brave.
1: Thank you. And for everyone listening in, that message is also for you. you. <laughs> Natalie, this has been incredible way beyond my expectations and I hope and encourage all of the listeners to kind of find out more about you. So where is the best place for people to go if they want to contact you or speak to you about story or story brand?
0: Awesome. So you can reach me on my LinkedIn, Natalie, Ion marketing. I'm on LinkedIn. I know you're going to put some of this stuff in the, the contact information, the show notes. I'm on Instagram, you know, um, I do the Instagram thing, but really, you can reach me, I think, best on LinkedIn. Instagram is Natalie Ion Marketing. And you can also reach me uh, via my website, www.ionmarketingltd.com.
1: And I hope everyone will go there as well and find out a little bit more about Natalie, who's been brilliant here. And I really look forward to that that session. I'm actually a bit apprehensive, but I think it's going to be really really worth it to lean into a little bit more about how do we curate the story for the center for belonging and understanding so oh i don't even know how to say thank you but this has just been such a huge gift it's wonderful speaking with you as ever and i look forward to the next time
0: thank you saida and thank you for having me and thank you for being in my life
1: If you enjoyed this episode of With Sayada, I'd appreciate it if you could rate, review and subscribe. It helps other people find out about the podcast and the work of the Centre for Belonging and Understanding.